Well, friends, this is not just a children's story. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you. You may be seated. And thank you for that scripture reading, Mrs. Worthman and the Happy Hippos preschool class. At the uh, last service, I inadvertently referred to them as the Hungry Hippos instead of the Happy Hippos. And people wrote in the chat room and sent emails and texts to correct me, which again is a great tribute to our preschool because many four-year-olds would not have the ability to write and send angry emails. And our kids are just, they're above their, their peers. We had preschool protesters out front, and we're just so proud of, uh, of the happy hippos and the lovable lions and the shining stars and the friendly frogs, the playful pandas, the spunky monkeys, and team turtles from our preschool. You can, you can give them a little applause. A lot of them, yeah. Well, uh, good morning and Merry Christmas, everybody. Welcome to those of you joining us online today. Uh, the year 2020 has been like the Grinch that tried to steal Christmas, but Christmas came just the same. In fact, there's a number of indicators that might suggest that the Christmas spirit is alive and well right now. I want to give you a few examples just from within our own church. Each year, we invite you to pack shoeboxes filled with toys as part of Operation Christmas Child. Event organizers were concerned that with 70% fewer people in our building, that the number of boxes would be down. And it was down by less than 2%. Ward Church folks packed 1,260 shoeboxes of toys. And then because we're the regional distribution site, other churches brought their shoeboxes here, and those boxes got loaded into larger boxes, and those larger boxes got loaded onto a semi-truck for a total of 9,846 shoeboxes of toys. And that semi-truck filled with toys went to the National Distribution Center. You can applaud, yeah. And that semi-truck, those toys have been unloaded, and now they're making their ways into the hands of kids all around the world. When restrictions on gatherings increased a few weeks ago, we were especially concerned about those people who live alone and might be feeling especially isolated. For some of us, quarantine has meant more time with our family. Uh, for some of us, too much time with our family. Uh, but for others, quarantine has meant an unparalleled level of loneliness. And so we had this idea to deliver a gift bag to the porches of some of our widows and widowers of our congregation. Within a week, 230 gift bags were assembled. 39 volunteers filled their cars and personally delivered each gift to the front door of each recipient. A project like that would ordinarily take weeks to organize. This all happened in just a few days. And then last week, our Christmas store opened in central Detroit. We participate in this project every year. There are moms and dads uh, in our community who are unable to give their kids Christmas gifts, not the gifts that they'd like to give their kids. So you donate toys in November and then moms and dads purchase these toys in December at reduced prices. Paying for the toys retains the dignity of these really great mothers and fathers who delight in giving good gifts to their kids. For sale at the Christmas store, toys, of course, lots of them, but also winter coats for kids are very popular, and quilts made by a group of church quilters. The Christmas store includes a Christmas wrap 
Christmas gift wrap station. Uh, Christmas is coming, friends. Christmas is coming. One more example. Four weeks ago, we announced that our Thanksgiving offering this year would go for funerals and to support grieving families in our central Detroit neighborhood. This 22-square-block area of the city that we have adopted has had a lot of loss this last year. This is probably the most unusual and sobering cause for a special offering that I've ever been a part of. We didn't make a big deal. We made just one brief announcement one Sunday, and you gave $65,000 for this purpose. That may be the largest Thanksgiving offering our church has ever received. Yeah. So I'm ending this year grateful for the charitable spirit that is alive and well. Now, I don't want to be too overly optimistic. In many ways, this has been a year of people behaving badly. Even reasonable people, when stretched to their limits, in ways, they behave in ways that are out of character for them. People are on the edge. But Christmas snaps us out of that. Christmas calls the best out of us. Christmas restores our hope. I noticed this year that a lot of people put up their Christmas decorations very early, and maybe that's because of the kind of year that we've had. We, we need a little Christmas, and we need it right now. Uh, maybe it had to do with the unseasonably warm temperatures that we had right before Thanksgiving, you may remember, and the wise among us uh, realized it is better to put up outdoor Christmas lights when it's 70 degrees than when it's 30 degrees. Not only was it very warm, it was windy, and I saw a video of a gigantic inflatable Santa Claus that had blown up a highway and locked up traffic for hours. Uh, now, this big inflatable Santa Claus probably wouldn't have hurt any of the cars, it wouldn't hurt anybody, but, but nobody wanted to drive into it. It just seems wrong at so many levels to drive your car into Santa Claus. You would be on the naughty list for life. I also saw one very messed up lawn nativity scene. The big illuminated plastic figures had all blown on their sides. The wise men were in the shrubs. The animals were spread throughout the neighborhood. And aside from that, it was raining and it was a muddy mess. And some of you are thinking, that's why we don't decorate before Thanksgiving. Right? There are rules that govern this kind of thing. When I saw the mess, I just thought, that's 2020. Right, Mary and Joseph and the baby all on top of each other in the manger in a very confined space. Uh, nothing seems grounded, and wise men are hard to find. That's 2020, right? Personally, I think a less than perfect nativity scene is more accurate to, the, to, to describe the world into which Jesus came. A lot of the nativity sets that we have in our homes are far too neat. The characters look like they've just stepped out of the shower and that their robes are freshly ironed and everything smells like a scented candle. The actual place where Jesus was born was a messy and smelly animal stable. It was not a nice place to have a child. It wasn't scrubbed down and sanitized. It looked and smelled the way that animal barns always look and smell. And I guarantee you, when Mary found out where she was going to have her baby, she did not turn to her husband and say, hey, Joseph, they're giving, they're giving us the stables. How cute. 
She did not say that. The circumstances of his birth were not by accident. Centuries earlier, prophets said it would happen this way. When the angels announced the birth of Jesus, they included these details. The angel said to the shepherds, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior is born to you. He is the King. He is the Lord. He is the one for whom this cold, dark world has waited for centuries. And then the angel says this very intriguing thing. The angel says, here's the sign. Here's the tip-off. Here's the, the, the dead giveaway that you'll be able to recognize that it's really him. And if you're a shepherd, you might assume this sign is going to be very impressive. And if it's a royal baby, you might expect the angel to say, you will find this baby wrapped in silk and laid in a golden uh, crib, uh, living in a palace. But the angel does not say any of those things. The angel says, you will find this baby born in a barn, wrapped in rags, laid in a feed trough. It was not a nice place to have a baby, and it certainly wasn't the kind of place you would expect to find a king. And when the shepherds showed up at the barn that night, they didn't add a lot of class to the affair. Shepherds were low on the social rung of that day. Shepherds weren't known for hygiene. A manger isn't a high-end product in a crib line. It is a feeding place for animals. The angels say the fact that Jesus ended up here is not an accident. This is not some arbitrary sign. This is a sign of the kind of king that Jesus was. Here's the clue. You can recognize him because he will show up in the messiest place imaginable. No applause, no power, no fanfare, no headlines, born in a barn, wrapped in rags, surrounded by animals, entrusted to a poverty-stricken couple. The king of the universe, the alpha and the omega, enters human history in a bundle wrapped in obscurity and humility and poverty because this is his signature because there's no place that he will not go. There's nothing he will not do. There is no depth to which he will not descend in order to bring God's power and God's peace and God's mercy and God's goodness and God's presence to anybody who will have him. This will be a sign to you. You will find God in a messy place. And the reason this is good news is because we are messy people and we live in a messy world and it gets a little bit messier every day right think, think about uh, this last year that we've experienced together racial unrest political polarization family division a global pandemic that has rocked the economy dramatically altered education stressed the medical system and produced fear in nearly everybody turn on the evening news any night of the week and a reporter tells us how our world got messier that day we call it news but it's not news not anymore we live in a messy world so when the angel said to the shepherds this will be a sign to you what the angel was really saying is this our God is not afraid of a mess not our God the God who was born in a stable and laid in a manger will come right in the middle of your mess, right in the middle of your life, 
no matter how messed up it is. This is his signature. This is his sign. It's a dead giveaway that it's Jesus. I say this because sometimes people think to themselves that they've got to get themselves all cleaned up first before they go to God. I'm going to get my act together and get morally straight and go to God. Right? Not only is that not necessary, it's not possible. You cannot clean up yourself without God. And so God says, come to me just as you are. I want to do a quick mess inventory uh, today. Uh, I want you to reflect on the last 12 months, and we're going to do a mass confession of messiness. This will be good for the soul here at the end of a year. And uh, the first question is an easy one. Uh, how many of you think, by a show of hands, how, wherever you are, how many of you think that our world got messier last year in one way or another, politically, racially, medically, economically? By a show of hands, how many of you think our world is a mess? Thank you. Second question is harder, and listen for a minute. How many of you are honest enough to admit that you got messier last year or that you contributed to the mess of our world by your own actions? How many of you have said something, done something, posted something that you wish that you had not and you contributed to the messiness of life uh, be, it in, in, be it relational, vocational, financial, academic, spiritual, moral, or parental, where are the hands of the messy people and the mess makers? Can we see your hands, please? Yes. How many of you, uh, you're doing just fine, but you're near somebody who looks pretty messy uh, to you? Yeah. Here's the good news about Jesus. He is not deterred by a messy world or by a messy life. At that first Christmas, Jesus entered a world that had gone mad. It was politically volatile. The wrong people were in charge. It was oppressive. Human rights were barely acknowledged. Evil seemed to go unchecked. Life expectancy was low, and hope was running thin. And whenever people have high frustration and low hope, they will inevitably end up contributing to the mess of the world. Messiness does not scare Jesus at all. He started his life in a mess, wrapped in rags and laid in the manger. He ended his life in mess, wrapped in rags and hung on a cross. And in between his first day and his last, mostly he hung out with some messed up people. He kept loving them and encouraging them and pointing them to a better way. That's what he does. That's his signature. And when he went to the cross, the reason he went to the cross was to take the messiness of the world, the messiness that you and I can never clean up, your sin and mine, he took that mess all upon himself. Jesus does not back away from a mess. It's what he does. It's his signature. I don't know uh, about you what kind of year you actually had this last year. Maybe, maybe you had a good year. I'm aware that we did not all have the same loss or the same experience over this last 12 months. I don't know what last year was like for you, but I know this coming year could be the best year in God you have ever had. And in fact, nothing would delight God more. Next year can be a great year, not just because a vaccine is coming or spring is coming or travel vacations are coming, 
but next year can be a great year because of the decisions you make right now. Maybe 2020 has exposed some of your vulnerabilities. Maybe it has made you think or wonder or pray. Our decisions will be very different from person to person, but it is my hope that everybody who's part of this service would make, would make a, a decision of some kind. Some of you are still exploring faith and you're not sure about Jesus, and maybe the decision you'll make this Christmas is to make a decision similar to the decision the shepherds made that night. When the angel came to the shepherds, the shepherds didn't know anything about Jesus. Their commitment was to investigate they said, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing. And maybe that's your commitment. Let, let, let me go and see. Let me investigate. Let me go to a church. Let me read uh, the Bible. And, and in the new year, we have a 30-day Bible challenge that, that's designed to help us understand this book referred to as the Word of God. Maybe your decision is the shepherd's decision to investigate. For others, you made a commitment to Jesus Christ a long time ago, but it's it's kind of gone into drift mode. And maybe your decision is similar to the decision made by Mary and Joseph when they knelt by that manger and they said, we commit our lives to this child, to this Jesus. And maybe your decision is to say, I'm gonna honor the commitment that I made long ago. I'm gonna get back on track. And for some of you who've been walking with God closely for a very long time, your decision is really, God, is there any place in this messy world that you could use me? Can I be part of your cleanup and restoration team? And your decision is to make yourself more available to serve. I, I, I don't know what this last year has been like for you, but I believe to the core of my being that this next year could be the greatest adventure in God that you've ever known, and this last year has set it up so this can be so. May it be so in us. Would you pray with me wherever you are? Holy God, at the end of another year, at the end of a, a strange year, we come before you as messy people who live in a messy world. How glad we are that that does not put you off, that doesn't deter your love or your presence. Thank you for the sign given to the shepherds and to us of the kind of king that you are, a king who will come into any situation. And for those who will mark this Christmas with a, a decision about their spiritual future, I pray that you would meet them where they are, honor their commitment, and make 2021 the greatest adventure in you that they've ever known. God, we hear your call today to come to you, to come, all ye faithful. Come when your faith is strong. Come when your faith is weak. Come when you are confident. Come when you are afraid. The important thing is that you come. Come to the manger and experience the God who will meet you right in the middle of your circumstances. God, today we hear your call and we celebrate your presence. And we pray this in the name of the Christmas child, the incarnate God, the one who dwelled among us. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, 
Amen.